maybe. That's <laughs> my, my little brother's room. Spider-Man sheets. I love it. It's looking good. It's looking good. Sheets are looking real good. <laughs> Uh, good afternoon, good evening guys, depending on where you're tuning in from and welcome to tonight's episode of the Baku Podcast. Now as you can see, I am joined by Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid, aka World Champions, Dallas Empire Head Coach, Rambo <laughs> Ray, <laughs> and the CDL MVP, multi-FPS guard, Shotzi. Uh, how are you two? How are you feeling today, guys? Good, good, good. Good, man, we're good. Yeah, it's good, good to hear. Has the, uh, has the win settled in? Kind of. I'm sure it's settled in for Ant a lot more than it is for me. Yeah, yeah. Did it, could it, I mean, and for yourself, did it take a while to kind of feel real? I mean, obviously, we've been your first year in Call of Duty and stuff. For some reason, like, the same thing happened to Champs at Halo. Like, we won it, and then I didn't even, like, just sit there and think about it for a second until, like, you know, a couple couple months. Like, it's kind of the same thing. We won it, and, like, I haven't just sat there and just, like, thought about yeah. it, to be honest. I feel like it was thinking later in the yeah. months, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, feel, I feel like, for me, once I get the ring on my finger, it'll... It'll be real, you know, because yeah, I've had yeah. my few chances as a player to get one, never got it. And I, my my yeah, actual yeah. my nickname at Sledgehammer Games was No Rings Ray. That's what people call me there. So oh, wow. I'm, gonna a, I'm gonna have a picture <laughs> and just like send it to everyone that yeah. would call me No Rings Ray. There, you know, that's what I get. Yeah, so, I feel yeah. I mean, what was it like seeing all the hard work and kind of hours that you guys have put in amount to you know what is you know the greatest reward you can find in Call of Duty? Go ahead. Um, nah, yeah, that. That was one of the things that was like the most satisfying satisfying was just like putting in so much hours and just like studying teams and for that to pay off and like us just winning champs in general, beating phased twice, like which is like the most satisfying satisfying feeling was just you know, just what was I saying? Just, <laughs> Take your time, you're good, you're good. Take your time. <laughs> was just like, yeah, just learning, yeah, just just study. Basically, just the hard work that we put in was just satisfying, and it all paid off in the end, basically. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we prep for phase. I mean, we are very adamant about preparing for a team we're going to play against first off. So, like, our prep the first week was really looking at Florida and Toronto gameplay. We kind of figured we would play these two teams over Orlando or Orlando over London. Um, and it, it came down to like Toronto winning and we had basically a lot of kind of recent matches, at least, uh, from, was it the last end year we played them in the semifinal. So we had, we had good VOD and we felt like the veto system for under end, like the way the veto was going to be basically the same. Um, one of our preps for the last few months of the game was actually trying to get better at Cape Hardpoint. And we finally kind of got over that line about a few weeks before champs came along and we really pushed to make that one of our maps in our pool and nobody was really expecting us to play that because we were zero and six until champs playing that map this year we barely lost it every time but it's still to the point you're like you don't really expect the team to go for a pick that's like yeah it's kind of a hump right you have to like get over that boundary to really make sure that map's a good map for you but we we practiced it a ton and we actually i think we were like 11 or 12 at the last 13 scrims we played uh on that map specifically from either side so we felt super comfortable going into champs playing that map and, and that was kind of like honestly the whole every three matches we played while well, the two against phase were basically i felt like cave harper was kind of like that starting factor that that helped us push through and make sure that we had the advantage going into a series and and the preparation we put against the teams we played against like Ann said we put a lot of hours in especially the phase matchup yeah um obviously we kind of had a good idea regardless who made it through chicago um well chicago and the losers we we had a good feeling that we we're going to play phase twice on the second yeah. again um, regardless we won or lost so we really made sure that our prep work was done for for phase and we looked at what they were strong at and what we felt the maps were going to happen and uh, 
we can talk a little bit more about the winner's semi because there's, there's, there's a decision they made that we still don't quite understand okay. um, that allowed us to have a good edge in the final. But yeah, no, it was, like I said, dude, putting all the hours in and, and like as a team and really make sure like everyone was committed to it and, and just to kind of see that's really what's synced in for me so far is really seeing the kind of the flourish of all the work we put in really through and, and yeah. show you that the process we went through this year worked. Yeah, that's awesome. And before we move too far forward, I've got to make sure I ask you the uh, the fan favorite question. So uh, I asked Ray, I, I ask everybody, um, you know, potato chips. What I want to know is your top five potato chip flavors. <laughs> Wait, so like just chips or like yeah, just chips. Chips. All right, I'm gonna go with like this is people are gonna hit me for this one. Flavors. Takis, my number one. Um, hot Cheetos. Uh, you know, lemon Lay's chips, uh, lemon Lay's potato chips, yeah. and then turbos, and then barbecue chips. Okay. Did you just say lemon? Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah, lemon, I, don't lemon think I, ever, I don't think I've ever had lemon chips. What the Wait, heck? They're actually, they're actually really good. Have you ever had a ketchup chip? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, that good. I don't think I like it. They're real mm. good. Mm. Actually, wait. <clears throat> Do they taste like barbecue in a way? A little bit. Like it, they kind of. I, I mean, they look like a barbecue chip, but they're a little more like, I guess, vinegary on the edge, and like a little more tangy, zesty. I think I, I tried it, but I can't remember. Mom, I mean, there's people agreeing with you. So, uh, I mean, reflect on the year of Modern Warfare. What was the most challenging part of the first season of franchising that you guys, as a team, had to overcome? Uh, and, and also, kind of, what were the most notable changes you guys made, whether it be routine? play styles, roles, in-game leadership, and so on that helped you achieve what you have? Um, in the beginning of the year, I feel like the biggest problem was just, like, understanding our roles, so we wanted to be. Um, they didn't, like, Clay and Porter didn't really know what type of player I was, and I kind of had to, like, just figure out that myself, to be honest, in Cod, because in Halo, I was, like, a you know an all-star player just running around the map, which is slippery and all that stuff, and I didn't really do that in COD because I kind of forced myself to just be that support player in the start of the year. So, you know, after we lost the Minnesota event, I was like, yo, I, I need to switch to dead talents. I need to roam. I need to do, you know, what I do. And then we ended up doing that real switch. And then from there on out, we kind of just found our footing. And, and yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it definitely seemed like the, I mean, the role change happened before I came along. I think it was like a few weeks. And then also, Kyler switched his role a little bit to kind of accommodate Ant having more freedom over the map. And that seemed to just kind of unlock everyone's potential in a way. Like, I feel like, like, honestly, like I can't speak of good enough about Kyler and Kyler being huge um, to how underrated his elements and his, what he brought to the team this year was like, he was always the guy who's going to kind of give up whatever he has. He was kind of like, everyone talks about the bitch role. Like he, he encompassed that and played it to a T like all year long and, and like, including the finals, like, and I'll be the first one to tell you, like he baited left and right for everyone to have success and do all the yeah. things he did. And everyone like talked about statistically, he didn't do well. Like to me, that was like, he's one of the main reasons why we won champs is because of how he played and how selfless he was. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of shit's sick to see as a team. <clears throat> yeah. I can imagine. I mean, a question for you, Ray, first year of franchising, you know, first year as head coach of Dallas. Uh, and the boys secure the biggest chip of all. Um, was there an immediate release of pressure? I know from talking to you a while back that you were very confident in the guys' ability to turn up at champs and take it home, as was Clayster. Uh, but naturally, I, I, I get the idea that you must have had some moments of mild doubt or worry considering the platform was online and there were variables that are out of your control. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the online aspect is something that we, even I had to look, kind of look past. We didn't really kind of worry about it. All the whatever stress and 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 weird stuff that can happen from online play with connectivity and all that stuff. We had to look past it and just focus on being the best we could at the game that we were playing. And my job in that was just preparing the guys and making sure that everyone's on the same page and everyone understands what we're trying to accomplish at every part of the game, um, which I felt like we, we did really well. Uh, yeah, it's... The one thing I'll say is like you you know as a coach how well your team is prepared going to the tournament and you can feel it. Yeah. I feel like for for champs and uh was it the, that one event, was it the Paris event that we won pretty convincingly? And we only lost one map that event. Oh right? yeah, Paris, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. we were I mean, we were just destroying teams for like two or three weeks leaving that tournament. Like like that is honestly like the only tournament all year that I have was not stressed watching because I knew for a fact we were gonna win that tournament just because yeah. of how well we were playing leading up to it and how well we were playing within that tournament. Um, champs, I'd say, was probably the second closest as far as like confidence is concerned. Uh, we hadn't really scrim phased that much leading up to it, so that was like the only kind of determining factor to me was like, how well are we right now compared to them? And that's like you only really get that from playing a team. Um, so like the few weeks leading up, obviously they didn't want to play us because they didn't want us to know how good or and vice versa. We don't really want to give them our strategies and see how we're how we're doing things so they can counter it and whatnot. Um, so yeah, no, it was. It was special. Like we, we did. We, I felt like we, we molded and, and did really well for what happened with things going from land to online. The preparation, what we were doing when I first came in, was the mentality was like, like online play isn't. We're not really trying to win games online. We're trying to win games the proper way that's going to work to win them on land. Yeah. And I feel like that's why we had success in LA. Um, and then we had to kind of change that mentality and just kind of go all out. And and most of the guys, obviously, that was mostly their decision. But like when when we heard it's going fully online, like the guys remembered how well they had started year just kind of playing like not maniacs, but like upping kind of the pace of play to be really kind of aggressive because of the online play allows you to do a little more. And, and they changed that. And I think our season turned around whenever we, we took on that mentality. Yeah. I mean, and for you, what has been the most notable positive that Ray has brought to you as a player this season? Gas me up, bro. See it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Ray is like the, the smartest and like he he knows how to say stuff and he was like so valuable to our team because the way Clay and Crim uh, criticized us was like just way differently like they looked at it completely differently than Ray did and Ray understood on how to like get his point out without you know like screaming at you and stuff like that so uh you know he's a really good asset on that and you know not only that he would like call out plays and just tell me like hey you and you did this wrong you know instead of doing this do this and like you know i picked up on that and like you know that helped me in my my gameplay that's awesome yeah it's 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 interesting to hear that from him because if he knew me like seven years ago and actually teamed with me you would have thought of me just like crim six and click yeah <laughs> that's how i was as a player bro i was hard to work with i mean but yeah, like kind of, like kind of, just kind of like pushing through it like crim and clay did like an awesome job all year of like really kind of making sure that and and i'd say illy specifically really kind of getting him up to par and respawn and making sure they understood what were the right things to do, the wrong thing to do. Kind of what Ant said, they didn't always deliver it in the most easiest way and nicest way. And I was like there to mediate and kind of like rephrase it in a way where I would get through to them in a little better. Um, and that's a lot of the stuff that I did with when, when it was coming play talking, but yeah, like I brought like, again, like my, when I came in this year, I didn't want to miss any of what we had up. I felt like the team was in a, in a good place uh, from a process of like practice. Yeah. where I came in and I felt like I had the most kind of help with the team was really pushing to 
kind of showing them the grander scheme of what we're doing, like what are big team decisions we're making and how we should be modifying that based on what I'm seeing from the mini map and what we're, what our thoughts are. So just really like, like going this direction when we do this is not a great thing. And I yeah. feel like that's honestly, like personally, I feel like one of the, like if I, if you had to ask me like what specific map mode I help the most with is probably cave. Cause our thought process on cave was to play a lot of scrap early in the year. And that was probably the map that you had to rotate the most on just to really ensure they had the good spawns and like later in the year like ant would always go to p5 on top useless we had like a lot of small things that just kind of yeah. put us in good positions to make sure we were giving ourselves the best chance to win the game yeah. and as soon as we got ahead on that map i knew for a fact we were never gonna yeah that, that was awesome. as a viewer just watching ant get up there at top broken and just watching him hold that grow it was a bit terrifying it was so like no one could get near do you know what i mean and the way he yeah. held that front push of the hill was always really good to watch so you can tell just how much you guys practice that as a whole um, I mean, Rambo, on the flip side of the question I just asked, Dan, do you feel Anna has bought anything this year, maybe something you've never seen before as a quality and a player that has helped push Dallas to the next level? Bro, him, and I'll, I'll put Ender in his bucket too, and then Kyler as well, because they, they were the three to take. I've never seen players take as much crap as they did as they did from their teammates and taken in a positive attitude way where they knew they were like meaning the best for them. Like, like Ant did get frustrated a few times, but like it wasn't, it was rarely for like what they were saying is more for how they were saying it. But like, like they just got their grilled, like, like it's almost like they were bullied to a certain extent. Like, and, and it, no, but isn't it, isn't that what it felt like at times, Ant? Like, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, at times, but I, I knew like they just wanted us to get better and, and I understand. Yeah, that, no. so. And like, like you look like, I'm, dude, I'm, I can't speak enough of how good Ant is skill wise and how like awesome of a player he is. And same thing with Ender, same thing with Kyler. And, Sorry, I'm on first name basis with the guys, but Hugh can and Billy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, like, like the attitude that we had as a team, like the selflessness, was just like absolutely unparalleled. Like, even I teamed with some of the best Call of Duty players of all time, and like, even I would have a hard time sometimes getting stuff through to them in a way that because they would take it in a certain way. And granted, I didn't, I didn't always deliver the things in the nicest way either when I played. But just really, like, from a standpoint of like, they always our team always had the best interest to learn. And we had days where things were like super negative and we would just kind of come back the next day with a positive mindset and learn things from what we did. And, and that to me was like, like I couldn't have came into a better place as a coach to coach a team. Cause I guarantee that I, that probably wasn't the case for any other team in the league. Yeah. Um, just from the, like the mindset and attitude our team had, but yeah, like shots movement wise is just like, if I had to like, praise him for one thing that's just like is absolutely insanely ridiculous yeah his movement was uh, like obviously on parallel and i feel like in my opinion it was probably like the big thing that separated from the rest of the players from like the mvp race was just yeah. like it would be very rare you saw him have bad games because he always find ways to make certain plays happen when most of the other players in the league just couldn't yeah and yeah based on the movement yeah, he moves like water, bro. It's terrified to watch. I don't know. I mean, I'm, he moved way too fast for me, bro. Way too. I can't. My eyes can't keep up. I just give up. Um, I mean, what do you feel set Dallas apart from every other team when it came to preparation during the build-up to champs? Because honestly, at champs, you guys looked unreal. You know, over the course of that weekend, almost as though, uh, dare I go as far to say, you were enjoying playing Modern Warfare. Um, at least that's how it looked. Um, um, what what was it? What was it? What was it that set you guys apart as a team from everyone else during that prep period? Here's a, I'll start with a good anecdote, and you can you can kind of push on this. But like we all told ourselves that we loved this game about two months before champ. Like everyone was barely just like like granted it was hard to get on at times, but like everyone just got on with a mindset of like this game's awesome. We're gonna play this every day and love every every minute of it. And honestly, like like just to like answer your question generally. I honestly felt like we were the only team that had all five players committed to grinding going at the champ. 
And that's weird to say, like, like when you're playing for that much money, that much stakes to have players that are getting on every day. And like, like, I mean, crap, like Ant, Ilya and, and Hugh played like speed balls for like a couple hours a day yeah. after and before scrims, even if there wasn't like tents to play. And that, that just shows like the dedication that these guys had, had to compete this year. And that, and like, again, like you can't, like, that's the stuff that I can't really do as a coach. Like I can't force players to do that. Like I want you to compete and do that, but like, I literally had to do nothing. Like these guys just came on committed to their craft and really make sure they were in the best place possible. Going. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, so going to your question, I feel like the thing that separated the most was just, like, their preparation. Going into champs, I've never seen, like, you know, including myself, me, Kyler, and Ender, we would literally just sit in a custom game for at least, like, three hours plus and just figure out the most nerdiest things. Like, <laughs> there, was a, there was a smoke on Ramaza that I had to practice for two hours straight, just leading up to champs, and, like, I had to perfect that. And, you know, that's the stuff that you need to do to, you know, win, you know, these trips like this, so... Uh, yeah, the biggest separation would just be to, uh, just preparation, basically. Some yeah, counter-strike clips awesome. up there. I was actually walking in the office yesterday, and Noah, one of our players on the CS team, was just throwing smokes on the map for like an hour. I'm like, okay, that's commitment right there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, going back, obviously, you know, you guys have had a great end to the year, but back in April, um, just before the Huntsman Home Series, I believe you guys were Norton 5 against FaZe and Huntsman collectively. Um, what changed during this time period that gave you guys the upper hand over these teams? Go ahead, Ed. You can take it in because you were, you were there for the, the bad times. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, during the times of, you know, the first two events, I just just was so unconfident just because of my role. And, like, I set myself to, to honestly failure because I would just rotate way too early hills and throw trophies on the hill. And, you know, I'm not the player that should be doing that. And, you know, I kind of just forced myself. I, did, I, I didn't really say, you know, I wanted to switch. So, yeah, uh, I feel like... That's like the biggest reason was just myself, honestly, the way we lost those two maps. Like I feel like everyone else on the team was playing really good, just yeah. besides myself, to be honest. And then, you know, we ended up like, making that role switch. And then from there on out, we were contesting with FaZe and Huntsman. I mean, it's, it's crazy to say, but like like everyone has to kind of remember that that this was a team with players that never competed on the Call of Duty stage before, right? Like, yeah. Like, and, it, and it's like, you you would think of it now. And like most people, like you tell the story, like this, you talk about the second half of the season, the bunch of people like, oh, these players are awesome. They're great. They've always been awesome. But it's like, no, dude, like we, we had some hardships earlier this year and yeah. and we pushed through those and we learned from them. It's just really like, and, and that's an, another thing that Crimson was talking about a lot during the, the championship weekend is like, like we knew that if we beat FaZe in the winner's final, we were going to win champs. Like the, yeah. they, these guys have not faced adversity like we did all year. They did not know what it felt like to, to, to feel like at a disadvantage, feel a little lost. Yeah. And like, we just, we ate that. Like we just took that and like, they could have not felt that way. It didn't mind. We thought that they felt that way. So we took it. Like, it was almost like a motivational thing for us and really pushed us through to really kind of have that confidence level. Final. Yeah. That's um, awesome. But yeah, like we, I mean, crap, we went from like people chanting bad things to us and was it London event? To yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And having that, that, that interview that we won't speak of. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about that one. <laughs> one of my favorites. I mean, look, I think I think uh, one great thing that did come out of London was that Shotzi learned how to use a knife and fork, right? So you know, <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at the start of the season, uh, there was a lot of speculation around how you'd perform after making the switch from Halo to COD. And you know, the first event, people questioned your ability. Months later, you solidified yourself as someone who is, from the looks of it, not only here to stay, but definitely to win and to win big. I mean, MVP this year at Champs, securing the biggest, pro um, securing the biggest prize pool COD has ever seen. 
Um, what were the early stages like for you? And what did it take mentally to ultimately prove every doubter wrong? Uh, and also on the flip side of this for you, Ray, was, was Shotzi difficult to coach into a whole new game considering his background in Halo? Or did he possess the mannerisms and professionalism that helped him slot right into the team? So, wait, ask that question for me again? Yeah, no. <laughs> so what I was just asking was... I didn't I'm, feel I'm, like any shit on this side of your... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that, at the start of the season, obviously, there was a lot of speculation around you and how you'd perform. And obviously, the first event, there was there was a lot of questions around your ability and people, you know, people had a lot to say. And months later, like I said, you've solidified yourself as someone who is not only here to stay, but to win and win big. MVP this year in the CDL, um, securing the biggest prize what college has ever seen as well. But what were the early stages like for you? And what has it taken from you mentally to ultimately prove everyone wrong? Yeah, the other stages, you know, I was obviously getting shit on. I'm not going to lie, because... <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't understand the game as much as others did, even though, you know, I put the time in stuff like that. It wasn't even that. It's just like, I didn't understand, like I said, because of my role switch, like it's so different going from a dead silence player because you know, the timings on Hills. And I just didn't know that I would just sit in Hill, you know, rotate from my team, just do all the dirty work basically. And I set myself <clears throat> up for failure for like the two first events. And then, um, you know, we got raised the coach, you know, we had a person in podcast. He was help. He was able to help us with their spawns and stuff like that because initially we didn't have anyone like that. So I couldn't, you know, sit in a theater cause there was no theater. So, um, you know, Ray helped us a lot with that, the spawn system. Uh, once we knew the spawn system, I kind of just was that wrong player. I knew how to use the spawn system, be knowing on the map. And from there on out, it was uh GG, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, dude, like, I can't, I can't attest enough for how easy it was to coach this team, like, especially the younger guys, like, obviously, like, Clay was really open to my feedback, Krim, probably not so much, um, like, just kind of how he is as a person, as a player, he's a little harder to get to, yeah. but he would, like, I mean, he, he would have his days where he's open-minded, and we can talk, and, like, and really kind of try and get through to, to the whole team in general, but, but, yeah, no, dude, like, I can't, I can't attest enough to the attitude that Ant, Illy, and Hugh had this year, just to take in everything we had to say. And they knew like it was the process that we went through and the openness they had just was like really kind of a stems and and the reward was really winning champs. And I, I honestly like I really hope our system and our process is going to be the same next year. And, and if it doesn't change and we were able to kind of discuss openly like we did this year, it's it's we're going to be a hard team to beat for a few years if that's really the case. And I think so yeah. I don't care what the game is. I don't care what the style is like like we have some of the greater minds in the league and our team and, and we have probably if not the best skill like combined in our team. Um, so like that's a scary combination to go up against if I'm any other. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I mean, Ant, it must have been quite exciting, but also a little unnerving making a switch to a new esport and immediately going in at the height of the competition too onto a roster that already had a lot of expectation due to the aura of personalities that are in there. Uh, what was the hardest adjustment to make for you and how did the team make you feel comfortable and confident in your ability early on? Uh, the hardest adjustment was just understanding the game because, you know, it's totally different when it comes down to Hayon and Cod. You know, the time to kill is different, the spawn system is different. So uh, the biggest difference was just, for me personally, was understanding the game. And what took me to that next step was just, I had talked with Kyler one day and he just basically gave us gave me an ender at the time. There's a lot of confidence in ourselves and, you know, he, he said we're the best players and stuff like that. So uh, that helped us a lot. Awesome. Awesome. For for me personally, like the one thing that Ant, like the biggest change I've seen on Ant since I joined the team is his understanding of how to play his life. He he was just 
Like, like <laughs> if he saw a gunfight or a red dot on the minimap, he's going in a straight line. He's like, I'm killing that dude. And then like, and there's times where like, especially in this game, like out of like honestly, like I feel like Ant came in like probably one of the perfect games for him because out of any Call of Duty game, this was the one that was probably like the most successful strategy to do that. Yeah. And we saw FaZe just kind of take beelines straight across maps and just run at people and kill them. And they would win games that way. And that was one thing like, like, in, like I was, I've been telling this and like in the game next year, at least from what I've seen so far, that might not be a strategy that works so much. Um, so really like his understanding and, and the ability to understand situations he's in and, and grasp that like him staying alive here is actually more beneficial to the team than getting the two piece around the corner. Um, and, and those are things that he's like the way he's learned those things and the speed he's learned those things that out of any player I've ever teamed with is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, he took what, like five months to learn things that I would argue most top players in the league probably took two or three years to fully understand. Like, I'm not saying just a little bit, but like, like he, he got to a point where he had it down to a T and like, just like that kind of annoyance when you have a player that can win gunfights, but also plays life and understand that, that the spawn system or whatever he's doing influences the game in a certain way. And, and that's more beneficial for the team. Like, that's absolutely insane. Cause he's also like, like doing that, like I did a lot of my career, but like if I really had to win a two piece after the fact, then I wouldn't win it. But he can win it nonstop. So it's just like, it, it's a scary thing to play against when people when people can do that with yeah. that skill level. Yeah, I mean, and talking, about, I only imagine how much knowledge Clayster shared with you over the course of the year. <clears throat> and right, I mean, at points I'd assume it's safe to say that his strong mind and leadership may have helped you in your role too. What's it been like recently having to come to terms that he won't be part of the Dallas lineup next year? And on top of that, what's one thing that you're both going to miss about him that you feel is irreplaceable in terms of what he brings to a team? I mean, it absolutely sucks. Yeah. I'll tell you that. We're, like, yeah, we're going to miss Clay. I mean, like, he was just such a big asset to our team. Like, the biggest thing I'm going to miss from him was just his communication. You know, he was that player that just communicated everything he saw on the screen. And, you know, it's going to be hard without him, not going to lie. But it is 44, so there's going to be a lot of breathing room on, you know, communication and stuff like that. And, uh, my biggest thing that I had when it came down to like communication was just like the comms we get fluttered and you know at times I couldn't really talk just because you know everyone's screaming and stuff like that so he's helped me to you know communicate in a way to the point where like you know I I'm being heard and stuff like that so yeah uh, so yeah the, I think that like from a playing standpoint like the biggest thing we're gonna miss from him is also his in-game leadership like on the same communication front he was the one that, that was doing most of the kind of bigger shot calls towards the end of the year for us. Um, I worked on that a little bit with him through mid-year and I like made him understand that like your your voice is the one being heard in game because he's he's a very emotional kind of like loud player kind of what Ant's discussing and like that's great to have but you just need that voice to be the one that's kind of like dictating what really should be happening um so I, I can speak to specific points but like like in the finals when we played phase and it was the Petrograd uh, domination the map that I honestly felt like we had zero chance to win we were down 20 going on the bad side but he made, like, once we got the, the two flags we went on the second side, he made a communication line saying, understanding where the, really the threats are coming from and really trying to get people to pivot on what we're trying to do from what we talked about doing. And, and it worked out to a T. We, like, we called that they were coming down mid-streets. And he was saying, let's pivot this way. I'll hold this angle more. And, like, making kind of like that, that strategy, strategic adjustment mid-game. And that, that's not something that we really had people do on our team besides Clay this year. Um, so, like, me personally, like, as a coach looking next year, like, we're going to have to try and fill those shoes uh, with someone else's voice and that's probably probably going to be the hardest thing because that's that is one thing i'll say that like that's that's a hard thing to accrue in a short amount of time like that's a skill set 
like that's to the point where a player is not only worrying about their their own gameplay, but they have to worry about what's going on throughout the game. Yeah, and be able to communicate to their teammates without really affecting their own play. Yeah, and that's kind of like when I played. That was that's the player I was. I just let it affect my own play to a point where like it hurt my statistics and my play. But to me, like my team being on the same page and and doing what we should be doing was more important for winning, which arguably was at the time. But yeah. these days it's a little different. So oh, yeah. again, like that's something we'll have to figure out. Um, I mean, obviously his mind and his his really his his musk like his his will to win was definitely one of the strongest i've ever played with and ever ever seen out of anyone so yeah it's it's going to be hard and and again like like can kind of like speak to that point though like like everyone who's like oh it should have been this should have been that like like dude there's like not a single person on our team that we could get rid of without being a negative there was no winning like this is me speaking as a gm like there was zero winning in our in our shoes in, in that situation yeah um and, and and can kind of attest to this as well but we called every player individually the day that like a decision was kind of trying to be made. And we offered the players to, if they were all into it, the opportunity to go into a five man roster next year and do what Toronto could have done this year and really kind of possibly do where we have substitutes and like maybe Illy comes in for sniper maps on search and then clay goes into domination maps where ARs are really useful. And then so on and so forth, kind of like flip flop the roster to really kind of come in and make sense uh, to have the strongest capabilities on every map and mode combination. Um, that would have been obviously very difficult, but we were like, that's how well, that's how much we wanted to keep our roster together. We yeah. were trying to push with that. And obviously, it, I mean, there's so many risks involved in that for the players, like kind of careers and whatnot. So we we went away from it, but still, it just kind of attests to like how well we liked our team at Empire and, and we didn't want to lose that. And, mm-hmm. But it sucks a lot for us to lose Clay. Yeah, it's really understandable. I mean, Ray, throughout the year, you, you know, you were one of the only teams that didn't make a change and pretty much rode it out with it ultimately paying off the way it has. Uh, how much input did the subs have to improve in giving positive input to the Dallas roster? Was there any point in the year uh, where, as a team, you guys kind of stepped back and considered a change? Were tensions ever high or things looking dull? Uh, not not after I came on the team. I mean, like, obviously, we won the first event I came in, and I, I worked with the guys very briefly for, like, a week and a half, two weeks before the LA event. Um, beforehand, I, my understanding is that Tommy was trying to help out and, and possibly chime in and, and maybe come in and play some games. I don't know exactly how that would have went out or how that would have worked out. Obviously, that all went out the window whenever we won the tournament. And even when I came in, like, with the roster we had, like, like I think everyone knew, everyone understood that it was going to take time. And, like, like, the only reason why I felt, like, if I would, let's say I was part of the roster for the whole year and I would have saw our, like, our, our lack of success early on, the only reason why I would have wanted, like, if I would have saw the, that would have kind of prompted a change is if a player wasn't putting in the time to try and solve that, right? Yeah. Like, let's say, let's say Ant, for whatever reason, was like, ah, I like playing Halo. I'm going to play Halo more than COD now. I'm, I'm paid to play <laughs> COD, but you know what? I like my Halo. And then, like, but if I saw that as a coach, I'd be like, well, <clears> this guy's not performing, and he's not only not performing, but not putting in the time to try and fix it, that's an issue. Then you think about kind of possibly shuffling Ross or not. But it, like, it would have been totally unfair to any player on the team to not give it really its true chance with the potential this roster had earlier this year. And obviously it proved out towards the end of the year with us winning the tournament, the, big, the biggest year. Yeah, awesome. I mean, Crim6 has spoken on interviews recently about how everyone in the roster was just so focused and respectful of each of his time, uh, all working toward one common goal. Uh, what kind of mental strains did this have on you and ten yourself raise individuals. I mean, ultimately, Modern Warfare was was not a fun Call of Duty to play for most people. And with silent patches and meta changes being here, there, and everywhere toward the final months of the season, uh, it must have been really hard to keep full composure and stay driven 
Were there any things that you guys did as a team to build relationships and develop friendships outside of just playing the game, such as team exercises? Or was it just a general committed respect of each other's time and passion that carried you through? Go ahead, Um, I'd say throughout the year, we were like, you know, teammates and not only that, just like best friends outside the game and stuff. So uh, that helped us a lot. And just like outside of scrims, we, you know, we still wanted to play. We still wanted to just research and study teams and stuff like that. You know, me, Kyler, and Krim, like I said, we went over, you know, nerdy stuff and we were just so dedicated to winning champs. So, um, so yeah, over you, Ray. We had our uh, hardships. I have more to say once you say something. Okay, we had our we yeah, had our hardships through the year, honestly. Like it wasn't always peachy. <laughs> I mean, to a point where like Krim had his days where he came in and and we would play like some of the bottom teams in the league, and he hated it because it's like he feels like we're not going to learn anything. And then I would be like, well, there's always something to learn because it's like you play the game. There's situations that you might see when you stop on a team that that who knows maybe you have a really good start against Phase that helps you kind of let's say there's a spawn trap that you don't see very often. Yeah. But you would get a lot against Paris, but not a lot against Phase, but like practicing it against Paris might help you keep it together if you have it against phase one day for that reason. Um, and like we had our hardships on that end, but, but you yeah, know, for the most parts, like I, I feel like the, at least the younger guys were kind of like a trio that played a lot of like games on their own time together. Um, and a lot of the guys played a lot of tens throughout the year. Um, Krim had his like episode of Verdance there for throughout the mid year. And, and he understood that it started <laughs> like, he understood personally that it wasn't like his play was suffering from it. Yeah. And he made the own decision. Like it wasn't something we told him not to do. He made the own decisions of like, like I need to stop doing this because it's affecting my play competitively. And and obviously his second half of the team was a lot better um, for that reason, in my opinion, one of the main reasons why he was. So, um, but yeah, no, like the, the frustration we had is like, for me, the biggest frustration was really like the server situation of online play. Um, like we basically, the, 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 the league was supporting 60 Hertz servers for competitive play, which is awesome. Um, but when we practiced, we didn't have access to that. We had access to 12 Hertz deadies and, and it made it difficult for us to truly prepare for tournament matches. And it made a lot of frustrations having to play certain teams. And then like, I was trying to make sure my guys are prepared and practicing, but then certain days we would just lose scrim, scrim time or scrims all together because certain players don't want to play on certain servers and vice versa or whatever that is. So that was really like the main frustrations for me all year. Um, the game, like people overreact when it comes to like meta changes and game changes. They're not always timed in the best capacity, right? Like, but like, everyone has to understand the game developers are doing what's best for their game and what's for the larger part of the community, which isn't us. Um, so it's really like, it's, it's part of the call to player's job to adapt regardless of the amount of time that he has to adapt. And that's something that I, I think we took on to like, obviously do our best. What was frustrating for us is when other teams and other players were trying to GA shit left and right, because they weren't agreeing of those changes and wanted the game to stay the same. Yeah. And that's just like, okay, well, because the, let's say the patch comes out on Monday before an event, the players are talking for two or three days about GAs and then boom, like the day before you start competing, they're GAing something. It's like, okay, well, yeah. now how the fuck do we prepare for this? Like that yeah, was yeah. the more frustrating part for me. But beyond that, like, again, like the, the mindset and the attitude that our team had was just like unparalleled. And I feel like is, again, why we this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Go ahead, um, Ant. You said you had something else? Yeah, that, yeah. To, to that question, not yet. The biggest frustration for me personally was just like, Getting on every single day and playing, you know, either 12 hertz and 6 hertz, and they're two completely different spawn systems. And like, oh, I, yeah, you know, I didn't say, I didn't say a word about it. You know, Ray knows this. Like, I'm just yeah. not that guy that, you know, will sit there and complain and stuff like that. So, you know, I balled it. I didn't say a word. I was, you know, um, positive the whole time. And then, uh, yeah, but that was just one of my biggest frustrations that you know I didn't let get to me. 
Yeah. Right. So we had the opportunity to scrim on, on 60 hertz, but it was through the GB servers, which everyone, all the players agreed, contrary to the devs' beliefs that the spawns are different. Yeah. Um, and like when we we didn't have access, like if the players play on 60 hertz, I would just get to watch one of their stream POVs. Yeah. yeah. Since we didn't have access to minimap because the coaches are, it would just be the players in the game or the way the system worked. But yeah, like we all agreed and everyone basically, there's still a few teams for that reason throughout the midseason that absolutely want to play on that. So if we want to scrim, they would be like, well, if you don't scrim us on GB servers, we're not scrimming you. And we're like, okay, well, do we go, do we want to play or play the game the wrong way? Or wow. like like yeah. left and right, it was like, what do we do really? Yeah. Um, and that, that was like, again, a, a frustration we had this year that I really, really hope we can deal with next year. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, and uh, outside of uh, competing, have you been a COD fan for many years or? Yeah, I've been a COD fan since by, back in like the AW days. That's when I like first started watching COD. Okay. And I mean, if you could sit and pick a COD now that you wish you had the opportunity to compete on a previous title, which one would it be? A COD game? Yeah. Like which which game would you would you have oh, like AW 100%. That game, yeah. that game looks fun. With the movement, games, right? Movement, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. Of course it had to be a movement game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ray, having competed at the heights that you have as well, including having played in a COD Champs final yourself before, was there anything that you learned from that experience that you feel was unique in terms of skill set that you were able to pass on as knowledge to the new gunners such as Shotzi and Ely? No, I, honestly, like the, I'd say what I would have had to give if our team was comprised of just young players is really the mindset to really kind of take things one step at a time and not look ahead. But Clay, like Clay specifically and Krim as well, did a lot of like good stuff on being vocal, like, pre-game, post-game, about like what what what's the mentality you really want to have to compete at the highest level when it comes down to yeah. this. And and they both won world championships unlike me. So it's like, I mean, I didn't really have to do much on that end because I felt like they were doing a good job really uh, getting the players in, in a good emotional state, the younger guys. That, so, so yeah, hey, dude, tw- was it, I'm, tw- I'm 31 now. So I, my first ever, I was 19. And you're 18 still, right? Did you just turn 19 yet? No, no, 19, 19. Ender's 18 though, so. Okay, so so you were nineteen. So what was that like? He was nine years or no? Sorry, you were seven years old when I first when I went to my first ever event. <laughs> nah, I'm not doing. What, you, what year were you born? Two thousand two, two thousand one. One, two thousand one. So oh, you you were eight. Yeah, you were eight years old when I went to my first event. Look at that. Wow. I was gonna yeah. make a funny joke that he was still in diapers, but he wasn't. Yeah, I, I, I would I would have been like thirteen when you went to your first event. So yeah, that's a Look while. That. Damn. I mean, Anne, how different was it competing for the COD Championship compared to the Halo Championship? I mean, obviously, the, the known difference is that COD this year was online. But did the feeling of winning COD Champs surpass the feeling of winning Halo Champs? Did it mean as much to you? To be honest, like, Halo, our preparation was nowhere near. Like, I'm going to say, like, if we're going percentage-wise, I'd say, like, 10% or, like, even, like, 5% from Halo to COD. Because in Halo... You know, I'm not sure if you knew this, but we did not scrim that much just because we were so ahead of the game to the point where if we scrimmed anyone, it would just give them the uh, the of advantage. And we didn't want to give anyone that. So, you know, instead of scrimming, we played 2v2s against each other and we just like, you know, played, you know, matchmaking and we played against each other a lot. And that's basically what we did leading up to champs. And, you know, it was kind of, it was a breeze going through, you know, that championship and then you know, over to Call of Duty, the preparation was just absurd. It was 100%. You know, everyone was dedicated to it. And it was just completely different from, you know, the way we did it in Halo. So uh, yeah. the preparation was way more intense compared to Halo. That's awesome. I mean, after hearing that answer, 
which do you find more enjoyable, Halo or COD? I mean, for example, if Halo had a franchise league, would you make the switch back or are you committed to this new world of Call of Duty? Say again? So, uh, I mean, after after that answer, which do you find more enjoyable, Halo or COD? If, if Halo was to come out this year with a franchised league, would you make the switch back or are you now com- no. committed to this new world of COD? <laughs> uh, not, yeah. So Halo will always have a sweet spot, man, because I, I played the game since I was four years old. So that game is always going to have a sweet spot. But personally, like competitive-wise and competing, I love COD. Like it, it's more intense. You know, there's a, it has a bigger fan base and... Overall, it's probably just better, and you know, fun-wise, I would go with Halo, but competing mm. or competing, and I, I'd say Call of Duty, hundred percent. Awesome, that's great to hear. Um, Goddamn Halo noob! <laughs> 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 I can't even lie, dude. Like me and Big Timer, when we team was this Modern Warfare two, we probably played more Halo three customs at the time than we did Modern Warfare two during that <laughs> season. I, <laughs> I mean. Yourself, Crim6, and Hugh have all obviously had previous success in Halo to some form. As a free, how do you think you guys would perform as a team now on, on Halo? If you were to take yourself, Hugh, and Crim, how do you think that would work out? I'd say we'd be at least top 300%. Really? Yeah, Hugh was actually one of the best players before he even left Halo 5. Yeah. Like, he was, I'm pretty sure everyone could vouch for him that he was literally the best player during the time when, uh, before he left. And, you know, I was considered one of the best at one point. So, you know, two main slayers and then Porter would just, you know, sit back, relax, you know, shoot, her, shoot his gun. And then we could easily get a, like, a nasty fourth. So, I mean, I, I think we could be top three. Damn, that's cool. <laughs> so, you wake up on Champs Day, right? Obviously, you're at home. We're online, so there's no event. What are you eating out of that fridge? What is the first meal you're cooking up for Champs Day? For Sorry, here, listen. For some reason, every single event, it's different at land because at land, you know, you could go somewhere with the team and get stuff. But the, during the, the the online events, I legit would not eat, only drink water, and I would eat after my game. So if we played at, you know, 2 o'clock, I would not eat. You know, I wake up like 10, not eat, play every match, and then eat. I did this every single match. Damn, how come? Uh, for, I just didn't want to get, you know, the, the, Her- the Hershey Swartz is, is what they call it. I just didn't want to, like, I remember, wait, actually, what traumatized me was this, this London event I got for breakfast. It was, like, sausage, eggs, and, like, bread or something like that. And Porter looked at me and said, wait, you're eating sausage? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, why? And he was like, no, no, don't eat that. So then, like, I ended up eating it, and then we got to the event, and then, you know, I had to go to the bathroom, and I understood why like, he said not to eat that. So ever since then, it kind of just traumatized me, and you know, I haven't. I haven't ate before a match yet. That's brilliant. That's awesome news. I mean, obviously, we've had a, a pretty good look into Cold War now, right? Um, was it a three-hour reveal, I believe? You know, it was pretty lengthy. It's probably the biggest one they've ever done. What are you guys most excited for next year? Strategy. Game, Strategy, yeah, on, uh, Everything what Call of Duty brings. New game, new system of just time to kill, new weapons, all the, all the fun stuff. Just yeah. based on what I've seen, like obviously I got to play a few games. Um, the the pace of the game one is not going to be as movement based, so automatically that puts more thought process going into the game, yeah. and then it becomes more of a uh, of a kind of a chess game, quote unquote. Um, it seemed really really difficult to kill a lot of people like su- successfully like in a row. 
um, in succession. So like getting a two or three piece next year is going to be very difficult. Kind of how it was back in the day, yeah. unless someone's just in a really good position, you're just kind of running out in the open. Yeah. But like if you're maneuvering around and you're like jumping out and like, like last year you see like, and get two or three kills, like it was nothing just running out in the middle of the street. If you do that next year, I got a feeling he's going to get maybe one, one and a half and he's probably going to drop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just from, from the basis of the game and, and the way, at least from the maps you've seen, I feel like the Moscow map, the Moscow map had the best chance to be like an actual competitive map out of what we played. Yeah. And just the way the choke points are formed and the way the game kind of felt movement wise, it, it seemed a lot more like attrition based on, on position rather than just kind of like outright just running at people and just being maniacs, um, which what this year felt like the best way to play the game. So we're going to see a big shift in mindset. And that's honestly something that I personally love because that was kind of my my bread and butter when I played yeah. was really that kind of that that mindset and just playing chess with COD kind of thing. Um, so I'm excited for it, really. It's it's going to be really great. And yeah, like kind of what Nan said, like, oh, it's always cool to get that little refresher, the new maps, the new field, the the, the weapons look cool. I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of the health bar so far um, to give you a take on what where the, the kind of the gun, gun play is going. Yeah. And the weapons feel good. I mean, it's a Treyarch game. Like the way the, the way Treyarch, way, uh, the way Treyarch makes games always really feels good on weapon play. So I'm excited for that as well. That's awesome. I mean, and how do you think you're going to adjust to this, you know, this change of pace and play styles with 4v4 being the confirmed team size? <laughs> like I got you. You <laughs> oh, I yeah. Got oh, how many, no, yeah. For 4v4, it's going to... I'm going to like you just because, you know, I, I played Halo, so I know how 4v4 is and stuff like that. So I'm going to adjust it pretty well. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to play this new COD with the whole, like, you know, MW had this you know, squad spawn, so... I'm gonna have to figure out this way of uh you know learning the new spawns is what they say so yeah and to spawn now and stuff like that so i'm gonna have to adjust to that you know ray guys my back on that but um yeah the the decision making that you have like just the four and four aspect makes a difference but when you think about it like when you have four players or five players like it's it's easier to kind of have a game where one player is not performing as, as well as he really should be to kind of pick up on like if you have four guys really playing well and one guy who's having a rough game typically you can get away with it on a four on four, because of that lack of it, like that's one less voice going on for communication. That's one less gun on the map, and that's one less position. Depending on the pace of the game, especially if it's a slower paced game, that that like that one less player makes a huge difference, and it really becomes more of a thinking game than a shooting game. And that's like that's one thing that all the guys on our team and every team, every team in the league is gonna have to adjust and really understand. Um, and that's gonna be crazy at first. Like you're gonna see, people, I guarantee you're gonna see like three or four teams in the league try to play the game the same way they did this year. And, and I mean, who knows, like, obviously we're still early. I have no idea. It may work, but from my understanding so far, it seems like it's just going to blow in their face and it's going to have a really rough time. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ray, with your experience, pretty much, you know, stretching, stretching back since and was in diapers, like you said, um, what COD would you say Cold War feels to play the closest to? Honestly, like just from a, a gameplay standpoint, it felt a lot like Black Ops 1. Um, okay. Just like, like speed, like the way you, the way sprint worked, the way you would kind of maneuver around walls. Obviously, like the sliding mechanic was like the the new kind of addition as of late CODs, and yeah. and they still seem to want to keep some sort of movement base, but they seem pretty adamant about it not being kind of a combat mechanic. Yeah, more so than a more so being a movement mechanic, which is kind of different. Like the slide mechanic this year was like people slide cancel around a corner and just shoot a guy because they don't even see him yet, but under screen yeah. they see him kind of thing. Yeah, like it doesn't seem like that's going to be necessarily too big of a thing next year. So um, I'm just excited to kind of see again like that positional kind of war of attrition on the map. And really make sure you make the right decisions as a team to really kind of come through and then let the skill kind of flourish. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
like I feel like Ant, Ant and, and Kyler, like Shuk and Shotzi this year were probably two of the best players to fight their way out of situations that you wouldn't think a player could. Oh yeah. And that's something in 4v4 that's that's an extremely huge valuable thing to a team. Yeah. Because especially like I don't I mean Ant wasn't there, but in Black Ops two days and the old days, the way Hardpoint was played, it was actually really hard to break hills. Like yeah. like everyone saw this year as like the money hills, like let's say P2 on Hack the Yard was like freaking impossible to break. It was impossible to break because you spawn right next to the hill and breaking that spawn was really hard. But in the past, back in the day, it was hard to break hills because you spawned so far away from them. Yeah. Like it would, it, once you got the kills, it would be easy. But because yeah. you're spawning so far away, getting to the point where you could break the hill was just difficult. And, and that just made that kind of like intelligent play and really make sure you're rotating properly on the map that much more important. Um, and more so than just killing people left and right. So that's, I mean, I'm excited for that. Like if, if that's the kind of quality we have next year, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I'm probably going to play a lot myself. So, you know, I'm probably going to, Fill the substitute spot on the team, you know. If Ant's not coming, it coming hot, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> I mean, from the sounds of it, like they're they're just trying to nerf Ant, right? That's what it is. They just need to nerf Ant. Yeah, they're sick of seeing that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I, the, I get it. They're trying to yeah. they're trying to get my career back. They want me to play again. That's what they yeah. want. Yeah, this guy moves like water, bro. So you know, it's, it's got to be done. Um, I mean, Ray, with your success and experience being heavily based in four v four COD. It must be exciting for you seeing the sport returning to this structure. However, uh, it was clear to see how much the loss of Clayster has ha affected the team. Now, if you had the option to make next year 5v5 just to have Clayster back at the risk of the game not being great, would you do it? <laughs> That's putting me on the spot there. I mean, it's a lose-lose question. I either say I love Clay and I want him back, or I say no Clay and he hits my ass. Um, no, it, it's interesting. Like, like, I feel like there's people kind of like jump to conclusions really quickly. Like, yeah. like 5v5 to me, like obviously had its kind of downfalls because of the pace and like a lot of kind of elements kind of become mishmashy. And it's, to me, the biggest thing is really from a watchability standpoint, it's harder to build stories around five guys than it is for, and it's also easier to follow action when there's only four guys on the map because there's not as much going on like that. That to me, simplistically is like the best kind of change. I do personally feel like 5v5 search was actually more entertaining and better for the game. Um, but I do feel like respawn, the response mode kind of suffered from the extra player. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the biggest thing is like, like, I mean, and like you saw a lot of it this year, like first bloods, for example, like weren't always a huge determining factor of who would run around. Cause having four, like a five V four is a lot different than a four V three. First yeah. blood and four and four is a huge difference. Um, if please play if teams play their, their cards properly. So I felt like from a watchability standpoint, it was actually cooler to see like a team still be able to win around when they lost a guy early. Um, and kind of be willing to take risks early in the round because you know that you can still win around if, if someone dies. Over so, like, the more kind of methodical, slower rounds you see in 44 typically um, because losing that play early makes a huge difference. So, uh, but answer your question, yeah, no, it, uh, it's a shitty, shitty question. I don't like it. I'm not going to answer <laughs> it. I love playing. I love 44. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's great. There we go. It's the best way to do it. So, I mean, Rostermania is upon us, right? Uh, 45 plus players, uh, I believe it was, going FA with no real sense of security, uh, no guarantee they'll be earning a salary in a franchise team in a few months. Um, Ray, if you were the head coach at one of these franchises that has just released their entire roster, what qualities would you be looking for in players right now going into a 4v4 year? Well, you mean a GM? I mean, a coach Yeah, sorry, have GM. My about... bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting. Like, like, one I would like to say, like, personally, I, I mean, I don't know this for sure about the other teams. But it seems like a lot of teams had intentions to keep their players just for less money. 
yeah. um, because the COVID and the way like it's impacted a lot of businesses this year. And, and it's like the esports isn't any different. Granted, we're able to kind of keep our business rolling, but like like the sponsors that pay to basically their players' salaries are suffering from this because people that are buying their products don't have as much money. Um, so that's kind of my understanding of why a lot of these people were kind of stubbed down as free agents. Not because the teams didn't believe in those players, but more so because those players were just getting paid a lot more than than yeah. the team was capable to withhold. Yeah. Um, so that some of the teams were greedy and was like, hey, let's let's maybe try and re-sign this guy for 50k less this year. Yeah. Um, and some players didn't go for that security and just jumped to another ship. Um, but yeah, like the I, I really like I have it like and and Illy and, and Kyla. I mean, Carla's been around for a few years, so I'll just put Ann and, and Illy in this bucket. The attitude that that these guys have brought, like I've tipped, I've honestly never seen that in Call of Duty um, from a new player standpoint. And if, if that means there's a lot more amateurs out there to have, like, who knows, maybe Mac was like that. Awakening might have been, like, I've never had interactions. I've had a few talking interactions with Mac. He's probably a little more on the trolley side, but but like with, with Awakening, I have no idea what kind of personality he is. But like, if there's new amateur up and coming players that have that kind of skill level and talent, that are able to keep up with professionals, if they have the attitude that these kids would have, I would much rather sign these guys with the potential that they might not be as great right off the bat. But if they're willing to learn and have the right attitude and they have the skill set to play at a high level, then I would much rather have signed those guys over some of the veterans that yeah. that I have been around for a while that don't that haven't really never really like there's there's a lot of good vets out there that just never want anything. Like I don't I'm not gonna start Indeed. naming names, but like there's no, some players true. this year yeah. that got on teams just because of their names and yep. like because they've been around for a while and that in my opinion, shouldn't have had teams like shouldn't have been players on teams that they were on. Like you saw a lot of the bottom teams just not perform. And it's not because of, because the players were just that bad. It's, I mean, personally, I think it's an attitude thing for most, yeah. for the most part. I mean, crap, like the Seattle situation is the one that sticks out and all like, I'll say name, like there's no reason enable should have been dropped off that roster that early in the season. Yeah. Like that to me was like, there's something going on with the players behind the scenes there to where they don't have the right attitude, the right mindset to really kind of thrive as a team. And they just want the quick, easy way out to try and pick someone else up. And that just flopped back in their face and everything went wrong for that team this year. And that that's just like, you look at like how Octane Octane played really well individually. And then you had a few other players that had their events, but well, I mean, crap, they got, even got Carmen to retire. Like that's just like, that's wild. Yeah. Like, that's great shit. Yeah, it's rough. I hate that. Um, I mean, do you think there's a likelihood we'll see him back this year? I honestly don't know. I'm actually interested by that. I mean, Granted, I don't know if he's like, like he's really like where he is like mentally to yeah. to play like professional level anymore. Like there's a lot of hours and investment that goes into it, and I can attest to it myself. Like towards the end and and in my career, I didn't want my career to end, but I was kind of like playing like it. Like I wasn't really investing like the. What, what, <laughs> no, but no, but like just I wasn't. It's not that I wasn't like performing, performing. Like I mean, crap. Like I my career got ended two weeks after I got second at champs. Like. I was still competing at a high level, but like my practice and my involvement, like from a, from a playing standpoint, when we were at home practicing, just wasn't where I really needed to be to put myself in that, that situation where my teammates gave me confident performance. Yeah. Um, and, and that was something I struggled with. Like I like, I started doing other things. I, I started enjoying more things in life and, and it got to a point where like just Call of Duty wasn't my like top end priority anymore. And I yeah. just kind of like competing at events, freaking awesome. I loved it. Even to this day, like if you ask me like, replace ant on the main stage at, at the tournament this year just for like have a massive because <laughs> we're absolutely destroying i'm like hell yeah let's do it let me feel the crowd let yeah. me get them going but but like the whole like playing like non-stop hours for a whole year every year like like we didn't like when i played we didn't really have an off season like it was like you had tournaments throughout the year chance was mid-season but then you kind of had tournaments till the very end until the new game come out and you had to play so like i typically like like and it's not like it is now where you have a like what you have two months off you went back to yeah, your family so you and did that going, 
back like to when I, yeah, thing. dude. Yeah. It was like game after game after game. You're never nonstop. Things are going on every time. And then the new game comes out and you, you grind from the get go. And it was just like, it was grueling, dude. Like it was a lifestyle. You really had to be into it. And don't get me wrong. Like, I don't regret any of it. It just came to a point in my life where I really wanted to like do something else. And, and maybe karma's at that stage now. So who knows like really what it looks like. Yeah, indeed. I mean, look, you're, you're almost professional golf now, right? You know, so you make better golf than probably. I mean, and for yourself, I mean, obviously, you know, you've, you're still young and you've, you've got a, already a pretty successful career in esports across two games. Have you ever seen something as kind of hectic as this roster mania on Call of Duty? Never like it. I'm not gonna lie. This is the first time I've ever seen some something or orgs literally drop their players and have everyone free agents. And not only that, just the t the the league's not even expanding, so that means twelve or one player from every single team is literally gonna get uh is gonna have no career. Yeah. And that right there is just like insane to me. Like who who would have thought that, you know? That's yeah. probably the biggest shame in the whole kind of 5v5 the 44 thing like honestly i was personally expecting if they were to make that decision they were going to actually um add more teams to the league like there was going to be some like new spots going on to where they could fill those players because i mean granted like some of the players in my opinion don't really belong in this league but like it obviously sucks to see the fact that some of these guys who work really hard for their job and technically could in the right mindset and the right team perform at a high level just won't have the opportunity to do so next year and even more so, what sucks the most, in my opinion, is the fact that a lot of amateurs that were performing well this year just won't really have that opportunity because it's like you now you have to like like whatever spot you're gonna have, you like you want security in your team, but like you can't really give it like let's say I don't know, like, like I'm trying to picture like the bottom 10, 15 players in the league and you take the top 15 M's. I think it would have been easier to replace those bottom 15 with the with the new M's, but now that bottom 15 is more so like the bottom 25 players, and it's harder to kind of like think that an am's going to perform better than some of these guys so yeah yeah that's that's the difficulty and it sucks for the amps because a lot of these kids like i i'll speak to I'll, I'll bring tyler fellow's name but he's he's a player that performed really well this year and that sh in my opinion should have the spot on the starting roster but may not yeah i agree i think there's there's the same kind of uh, uh belief in europe as well i mean obviously with team war um you know the likes of uh, dave and and steve vortex from the team warside in europe who you know won champs and won you know majority of the events throughout the year they performed all year long uh and the odds of them getting to looking at us you know a, a spot in any any place in that cdl uh is very very slim um, and it's a shame obviously i mean it, it's just the fact that the timing has happened it's just they've had such a successful year and then COVID on top of that and with COVID being the issue uh, and then we're going to 4v4. It's just so difficult to find space for these players when there's already so, such a big talent pool. Um, an interesting question I've got for both of you, actually. I'll start with you, Anne. And if you were to... Before, before you ahead. move on, yeah. the, the question that you just asked Anne about Roster Mania, you should ask him again in like two or three years from now if he actually is in the mix of it. Yeah. Because you were... You, I mean, you had a smooth chill in this year. You were like a no-brainer stay. So. <laughs> but like being like... Like Roster Mania is like a lot more different and a lot more stressful when you're actually in the mix of like discussion. Yeah, I can imagine. Where, yeah. Right now, I'm looking here? at it from like an outside perspective. Yeah. So I oh, see yeah. like yeah. right now you're sitting there with you. Just, with your I feel like you would have got yeah. a better answer if you if they actually had felt yeah. it firsthand. Yeah, yeah now, yeah. Hold on to that one. Hold on. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Right now, he's just sitting there wondering where that ring is in the post, right? <laughs> with your Brandon, I hope it never happened. Yeah. What are you starting to say? Three years. That's intel right there guys make sure someone clips that um i mean <laughs> and a question for you looking at the, the the fas that are out there right now if you with your you know the small time that you've had so far in college esports if you were to build a four-man roster for next year out of those fas who would you pick 
Uh, oh, um, so free agents. Okay, so let me think. Wait, is there a list? Do we have a list I think or you're in uh, a list somewhere? Uh, we a list. The Cerdo put a list. I think of all I'm the players. God Squad, dude, right now. Free agent. <laughs> God. Uh, one sec, I'll have to find it. Yeah, keep I'm talking. Just come back to that question in like two I'm minutes. Ask your next so question. Free agents, so like, would Clay be considered a free agent? I mean, technically, yeah. Technically, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, he's, right. he's our so first pick for sure. Yeah, Clayster is my main. Shotzi as or me as my sub. Um, and then I'm gonna go with. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I'll go with... Uh, what's his name? Don't know his name. It's not a good start. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll go with Bruce as our flex. All right, so we're okay. chilling there. Now we do what? Uh, one more sub? Wait, how do I how come I have five fingers on me? Because uh, <laughs> you're that guy. If you want to fight, you fight and say. That's how much you like play. <laughs> wait, did I just say? Wait, I said four. No, you, <laughs> no, you said three. You said three. You, Bruce, and no. Clay. Who's your fourth? Oh, shit. Uh, all, right, all right. So our, our last guy is um, John. Okay. Ooh, Damn, really, yeah. that is a good one, especially because yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, I think you have a good. I don't. I don't know if I would pick Bruce. I love Bruce as a person. I don't. I've heard things about like. To me, attitude is a huge thing in a team. Yeah. Um, like because Arcity was a free agent, I probably would have took Arcity's. I would have went Arcity's oh, yeah, play. I he's a free yeah. actually. Sure. Actually, I can't pick you because you're not a free agent. It would have had to be something else. Who's another player that's a free agent? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. I would have just stole Mac. I think I would have stole Mac. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's just. There is so much talent out there at the moment. Um, and I think, like you said, just, I think one of the biggest consideration points for, for anyone that is a general manager uh, that's looking to build a roster on one of these franchises is that, you know, a lot of these guys that are kind of having inflated egos or attitude issues, there are people with just as much skill that are much more willing to learn and much more willing to listen and much more willing to adjust to situations around them. Um, and I think a lot of people feel entitled to spots that, might not they might not deserve you know there's people that are grinding hard in the, in the shadows and working hard and making stuff happen so um yeah I that's think the hardest thing though yeah. like to that point like like finding those players and understanding that they are there but like like i wouldn't know like i look at the amateur scene like beyond the people that i talk to decent all like tyler or like players that he's played with around or i watch streams of certain players like it's so hard to really kind of truly know who are the ones that really kind of stand out yeah and to me, that's like the biggest issue with, with I mean, the league, the way it's formed makes total sense, right? Like you don't see the professional NFL team playing as an amateur NFL team. Like you'll never see that. But like with esports, I feel like it's a little different. Like I, I can't truly value, like let's say Shotzi played a contenders league this year. How am I supposed to know how Shotzi feats or really compares against a professional team? Like, yeah. like how do I know he can play at that level? Because it's like they're playing, the AMs are playing against the AMs. Granted, some of the pros, like the old pros, like Parasite and like those guys have competed for a while and I were playing in that stage. But, but like, are those guys even still good enough to play at the pro level? Like, how do they really compare to the pro teams and how does that stack against each other? And that's one of the difficulties, like, I really see as a GM is, like, how am I really supposed to kind of look for talent like that? 
when I really have no idea, like it's it's basically a like a risk, right? Like I have to yeah. risk a player, a slot on my team and money to see if that player really has it or not. Um, and then like, and I have to possibly put a, one player on my team on the side. Like, like even if I picked, let's say I picked up an AM as a substitute this year, like, is he really going to get play time? I mean, not like unless a player is like sick or doesn't show up or breaks a hand or a nail or some shit. I don't know. But like yeah. beyond that, like he's not really going to have a chance to really prove out himself, right? Like it's yeah. just he's still going to be stuck in a contenders league mindset, and then who knows where really that shows? Like, yeah, sucks. yeah. I mean, to that point, it's like OD just said in the chat, especially considering you know the fact that like challenges was hardly even streamed. I mean, I don't know if you guys know about the EU situation with challenges, but um, the yeah. losers finals and winners winners final yeah. finals over here was was actually streamed uh, by me on my channel. I actually contacted uh, Bryce, so I had Bryce. Uh, I don't know. You should know Bryce Rambo, one of the old casters. Yeah, Bryce, yeah. Um, yeah. Bryce and uh, yeah, and a, and a young guy called Infinity, who's a young upcoming caster. Uh, and I had those guys come and actually cast the losers finals and winners finals on my Twitch page because there was no committed coverage for it at all. Um, yeah, and I think. To make that so much, you know, when you add all these aspects together, the fact that there's no coverage, therefore there's no real eyes on the talent pool that is there. And then we're going into a year of 4v4, which means we're already cutting 20 to 25% of players away. How are they meant to even try and get a name in the mix? It's so difficult. I'll be completely honest with you. Like, I wouldn't, like, if I was looking for talent and I would, I wanted to watch amateur teams, I wouldn't look at an actual, like, live stream or match. I would look at their personal streams and that would tell me a lot about the person. Yeah. How they sound when they communicate, how they play, what are they talking about, like, like I think I would I would get a better grasp of how a player is than just yeah. by watching his team playing against another AM team and I don't hear their communications or anything like that. Like that to me is like way more beneficial. Like players in the contenders are get more benefit out of streaming their own POVs and putting themselves out there as good players and you can see their emotion. I mean, we were all watching the Phase Academy team play. Remember that Ant? We were watching the Phase yeah. Academy, just like, dude, those guys like crumbled as a team like you could just yeah. the tone the tone the voices and the image you're getting from watching those players play like just stream wise just shows you like so how not ready some of these players are to compete at the highest level like granted they're a great team they're great individuals they're great players but just like you can feel it like you can watch that and you're like like dude if you did any of that at the pro level you'd be put to sleep yeah. on the spot like you wouldn't stand a chance and it's just like like that to me is telling like that's what delivers really my take as a GM and like, just kind of, this is almost like a shout out to the AMs out there. Post your streams, post videos, talk about the game, show me that you're a smart individual and you understand what's going on. And then also that you have the skill by, by just kind of your gameplay speed. So, yeah. Yeah. So I've got a question for you, uh, you here, Ray, uh, from Kev. He said, now, if you and Shotzi were to one V one on black ops two with dual B two three R's, who's winning? With dual B two three R's? He doesn't stand a chance. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was the I was the master with dual pistols. Like that was the that was allowed back then. Well, you could probably actually shoot back one for once. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yo, let's not let the yo 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 babe. You need to post. You need to show the video of me playing Ant on was it Crunker on the PC game? Oh no no no! Tell show that. He's talking about that shooting back. My guy was. I was on a keyboard. You think I did? Yeah yeah yeah. None of that. None of that excuse. Yeah, I saw that. I remember that. I do remember that. That's right. When we got slept on the spot. Yeah. So I mean, multi game multi gamer platform my ass. So. 
just going off roster speculation for next year, I mean, obviously, look, you guys might know a lot more than me. You might not. Um, I've heard plenty of rumours so far. Obviously, I do speak to quite a few people in the community. Um, without naming any players on a franchise that you guys may already have intel of, which franchise do you guys feel is going to be the biggest threat towards stopping Dallas going back-to-back -back for the rings? Uh, I think phase from the move benefited. Uh, I mean, I, I think New York benefited as well. I think those are the two, some like from teams that had moves and changes so far. I think I honestly like Toronto, like, I don't know who their, their fourth is, but I'm pretty sure they kept Kleenex, uh, Cammy yeah. and Methods, right? Yeah. I, I honestly, I feel like clean Cammy and, and Kleenex were like two of the probably most underrated player this year. Like Cammy was, Cammy's a superstar in my opinion. Like he's one of the new, I mean, I don't know. I, I've heard he's been competing for a few years, but I personally didn't really hear or, or know of him until this year. And and that dude's a beast. He just seems like a good human too, in general. He has a good helmet on his shoulders. Um, communication seems a little frantic for my liking, but just in general, like he seems like a superstar in the making. Yeah. And I feel like Kleenex probably one of the most under, like kind of what Shotzi was describing as being annoying. Like when we played against him, like Kleenex is an annoying player to play against. Yeah. And that's a, like totally. we said in a good way. Mm. Yeah. If yeah. you were to compare me to someone, I would 100% see Kleenex because. I've watched, you know, the games in Toronto that they've played, like the few, the last few events, and just watching every single time they went to his perspective was like so similar to the way, to the way I play. And you mean cracked? Uh, yeah, Absolutely is, cracked. Yeah, no, he's cracked, but he's also similar. like, yeah, his understanding how to play his life as well, like what we we're talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. like he's slippery, dude. He just never seems to die. Like, you'll put a few shots on him and you're like, where did he go? And then you won't find out about him for another. And, and that, yeah. that's the kind of skill trait that's like really useful. And, and I feel like that's a team that could have been a lot better this year if they kind of put him in the roster a little earlier and didn't really like stem to the to the base of it. Yeah, yeah. Players. I mean <clears throat> it's just so I just think the next the next three to four well, I think the next three months are gonna be crazy for Call of Duty. I think we're gonna see some star study rosters. I think we're gonna see some um some serious competition hopefully next year i mean you know we've we've seen some great competition this year and i think you know looking at the likes of florida and the changes they made and then obviously toronto coming toward the end of the year and you know just there was so much great levels of competition but i think at champs obviously you guys just hit a certain switch that was um way too powerful um i like to call it the shotsy water because the, the way this guy moves is terrifying like i said but <clears throat> <laughs> we we just honestly like champ was just kind of a stemming of like all the preparation we had and just i felt like we were playing at a pretty high level all year i just don't feel like we we're always on the same page on certain things yeah and like even going like i'll i'll be completely admitting like going into certain vetoes on certain maps in the mid part of the year like we were like still questioning what was really our best maps so wait here let me throw this out, out yeah. there real quick to be honest i i'm not gonna lie you're probably not gonna believe but believe me but i still don't understand the veto process like i have no idea <laughs> how that's, that's, why here, that's why i'm here about it <laughs> i just wanted to throw that out there but like dude it is absurd like i'm over here like i remember i was like like the team was just talking yo what's our vetoes and stuff like that i'm over here like yo what is our vetoes like, like i have no idea like Dude, you should good, bro. Right? I'll, teach you. I'll teach you. You've just won $300,000 on a game that you, you don't even so, know. So, so we didn't really hit it, but I'll speak of the vetoes. Like, so, I mean, Bacon, most of the people on the stream probably understand what Team A and Team B were this year. Like, the yeah. Team A technically had an advantage vetoes. So going to winner's final, because FaZe had the higher seed, they had the, the option. And they took Team B. They decided that they were going, like, literally, that is, like, the biggest... That was the most surprise I've been in yeah. Call of Duty or anything in life for probably five, six years. Like that's, 
I, I was, that was a curveball. And I'm like, I heard that. And I was like, okay. And then I muted and I went back to talk to teams. Like they took team B like, this is good. Right. <laughs> like, and, and honestly, like, I, I just, I just think they were so confident just beating us in any hard point. And like, yeah. they, they probably saw us play fair Toronto on cave. And they're like, they're still thinking like, cause they, we played cave against them three or four times this year. And we lost every time. I think they were at least half of our losses from the O and six. Um, and yeah, we were like, what the hell is this? So because we won the winners finals and like we had, we got like, obviously the advantage you get from team B is really like, and they were, I felt like they were a better Dom team. And to me, that was the only reason why team B made sense. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like their, their like option to win Dom was way better than ours. Um, and they were a good search team. So they got their search pick map. So basically they went up two one in the series. And I felt like, like if we didn't win cave, we probably get three out there. Uh, but because we were so confident and so good on cave, it gave us that opportunity to, like, we've done it many times this year, come back from two one. Uh, from team a because we knew we had it like we had a good side on map four and then we had our search map on map five and that's what ended up happening yeah and then because we won that winner's final we have the now we had the option to take team a in the finals and team a in the finals was like huge because the, the amount of maps you had to play that's why the series look exactly the same so yeah. like the the finals like the first five maps were the same but the next three maps in that series were all maps that we wanted to play and they didn't like we had hackney dom going we had uh, was it ramaza hardpoint which is a map they vetoed all year and we had a search on the map that we wanted to play. So it's just like, like everything was really kind of coming our way for that. So yeah, uh, like, that's why I said like winning, like that decision they made to me, like was a huge instrument to us winning. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I've got, um, as you've experienced before, right? I've got some tweets here. Um, if you well, well, I got a question. I got a question go for Ann actually, before go we go, before we go to yeah. tweets. Ann, who's our main AR next year? Krim, 100%, what? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I just want to hear from you. Yeah, no, no, not you. Yeah, well, no, no, I would yeah, say, no, no. Do you think Inter's gonna? I don't know. I felt, I felt like it would be. I felt like it would be Ender. I mean, obviously, Ender Ian would be the two main ones, but I felt like Ender could be a, a pretty good main AR. Honestly, he probably could, but I just don't think Ender would like. That's just not his play style, you know. Like I feel that's like fair. he's because yeah, uh, he, he fell into likes... it a few times this year. Yeah, like, like yeah, I he... mean, he, no, yeah, he likes it on sub maps, but I feel like. Ender to be comfortable 100%. He has to be like that flex player. Right. That's fair. Yeah. We'll see how we'll see how that goes to be continued. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does I, I suppose the Manny Arc, you know, they always have quite a vocal point as well, you know. Like Clay's a pretty I'm um, just not Clay, sorry, Crim's a pretty vocal guy. Um especially, you know, in and out of game, I can assume. So yeah. I, I get the feeling uh Crim will be all over that Manny Arc role. Probably, uh, hopefully. Yeah. So and I've got a few tweets here, bro, from uh, your teammates. Um, oh, yeah. I did the same thing with Ray last time. It's just a, to see to see how well you know the guys. So I'm gonna read a tweet to you and let's see if you can guess who tweeted it. Okay. Yeah. So the first tweet is: uh, I just worked my fat ass out for an hour and a half, and now I'm off to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, that has to be crib 100. Uh, ding, ding, ding! First guy. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yeah. That's that was crib, uh, that was crib six in 2015. Um, I've got another one here. I've I've just seen an angel with a big booty. Wait, what? <laughs> that's me, Krim again. There's no way, bro. The, bro, you know, yep, Krim, yep, that's correct, Krim, 2015. There's no way in your colors. Right, yep, there we go. Um, I got another one here. So I just had to get two shots in my ass because I'm fully covered head to toe in hives. <laughs> that's Krim again, 100. No, see, this is a curveball. It? It's Clayster. I know he's an ex-teammate now, but it's Clayster, 2017. What was the tweet? Uh, just had to get two shots in my ass because I'm fully covered head to toe in hives. 
hives are like he basically had a reaction to something like allergic reaction well like bees or something no no hives i mean kind of like they're kind of like they look like bee bites but they're just like little bumps that show up on your skin when you have a reaction to something uh i didn't even know that dude i'm like a fucking dad at this kid dude. I'm <laughs> teaching <big buffet>. <laughs> <laughs> bro i still like even now even this this many months on i still can't get over that clip of the uh the knife and fork bro i was just like i'm funny dude no 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 listen wait hold on, hold on i i was laughing because of the fact that inder <laughs> cuts his steak with forks like i i thought mine was bad <laughs> Man, I thought mine was bad, but this was worse. Uh, Bro, my, my man in there never had a steak, I don't think, until that point. Like, I mean, like his his family's in or whatever, so I'm assuming yeah. that like, like red meat's not a huge out there. Like, they do a lot of chicken and yeah. a lot of pork. Ross. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. That was that was an experience. I was like, I thought I was trolling the whole time. I'm like, I'm going along with this, but I'm like half trolling because I'm pretty sure he's trolling me back. Yeah. But then after the fact, you're like, wait, he was actually serious. <laughs> Right, I got another tweet here. So uh, I'm sure you guys know the Christmas song, Let It Snow, you know? Um, yeah. This tweet here is, Let It Snow will always be Le Tits Now in my mind. Wait, can it be like teammates as in like Ray as well? No, so it can only be between uh, Clay and everyone else. I feel like someone that would go that deep into that would have to be Porter. 100%. Like, no. who else I think, would say I, think, that? I think it's Ender, dude. I think it's Illy. No, both wrong. It's Clay Star 2018. Clay yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Right. Like like yeah, and I got another one here. So, I played like poop that series, but thankful my teammates are young gods. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kyler, I, hopefully. No, sir. Again? It? Again? No, it's Clay 2015. And isn't right. it funny how it's relevant five years on? This guy's yeah. literally just out here building young gods. Yeah, no, he's still yeah. with the Yankees, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, that's my little Twitter my little Twitter part done. I've just got a, a one final question for you guys. I mean, obviously, this off-season's um, it's quite a lengthy one, you know. We're talking, what, like three months pre-release? Uh, and then um, until the season starts, who knows? I mean, February, late January. So, you know, quite a long off-season. What are you guys doing to kind of fill that time and keep the team bonding? We haven't done anything so far, honestly. Uh, well, COVID sucks. So, I mean, if there wasn't COVID, we'd be hanging out and stuff. But yeah, right probably. now, you know, I've been just playing just uh, old cards, you know, chows and all that good stuff. And just spending time with my family until, uh, until the next season. I mean, the, the the next season really starts when the new game comes out. Even the beta, like that's that's like work for us, really, to yeah. kind of get our hands on and get a feel for what's going to be going on. And what we feel like is going to be the best way to approach the game. Like, like he, and that's a crazy. Like, I I missed it, but I also hated it when I like um, when I was working as Hutchheimer and and different aspects of video game. Like, like being a game developer for the most part, typically it's really like kind of like a nine to five. You don't really have to worry about work when you're outside of work. Like you're still thinking about things, but not to the extent of where you are when you're a professional, yeah. when you're in a competitive aspect of it. And like, even now, like to this day, like I'm still thinking every day about how I can improve as a coach and how I can improve as like a communicator to my team and really kind of what, what did I do this year that could have been better and so on and so forth. And all the players are basically like kind of what Ant's saying, like he's already playing old games, trying to get a feel for what, 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 what may come. And most players in the community do that. So yeah, it's it's like the off season term is thrown around a lot, but it's never it's never truly an off season. Like there's there's always preparation. Just like professional athletes, they have their workouts and they do stuff during the off season to make sure they're prepared for. Yeah, like yeah. 
Uh, I've got a question here for you from the chat from uh, Bryce. Bryce Tacular. Um, question for Ray. When the world returns to normal after COVID, what do what do you think about prelands and that kind of practice? Uh, I've so this is one thing for me, but a lot of people are like super. I mean, people hate showing like, for example, like streaming scrims. For example, like Chicago did it all year. I feel like very few teams watch go and like actually benefit from that. Like I, yeah. I'm I'm still a strong believer in my like my way of thinking is like if our team is the most prepared team and we know what we're doing, it doesn't really matter what other people think of us or what we're gonna know. Like unless there's something specific, but if we generally play the game properly, we're gonna like then it's skill that comes into play and then we're gonna be able to win games. Yeah. Um. And I think like anything you can do to prepare your team is beneficial. So like prelands, like whatever it is to like I mean like. Crap, we have like, and I was actually thinking about this. Like, we have Ch the Chicago teams basically all here. Like, granted, I think Formal was still in LA, and then uh, Illy was north in Toronto. But like, like, what if we played Chicago in the finals and we had like a few days to prepare? Could we just all went to the hex quarters or our office and just like actually have a land final, quote unquote? Yeah. And like, that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't take advantage of. Like, it's just like we have them close by. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't be. Like, if if next year has land events, we shouldn't be preparing with a team like that. Granted, it sucks when it's like two top teams because. Like if you expect to play in a team in the finals, you don't want to practice too much. Um, but again, I feel like there's like us preparing for what we're doing is, in my opinion, it's always going to be the best strategy and the best way to go about preparation. And yeah. then you go and then like later in the year when you want to know about specifics like we did with phase, we see how to do certain things. Then we talk about but like I can I can like basically tell you beyond the breakoffs for hard points. We didn't really look at what phase did and like respawn maps like we. We had a general idea of how to play the game and, and properly, and we felt like that was going to be plenty to beat them as long as we did what we had to do right, and it showed as being like kind of like the the best way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and that pretty much brings us toward the end of the podcast, guys. Um, a massive thank you to you, Ray, and to you, Anne, and once again, a huge congratulations on your success this year. I am very excited to see what Dallas Empire can produce next year, and I'd, obviously, I know with talents like yourselves amongst the ranks, another chip is never far away, really. Uh, viewers if you guys tuned in late or were only able to catch moments don't worry you can catch this episode and all of us on Spotify just make sure you go follow my Twitter at Big Boy Bake to keep up to date with future podcast announcements and more uh, just so you guys know up next we've got Martin Boyle who's a professional footballer from the Scottish League on Sunday uh, and I believe on Monday we'll be speaking to Trey um, now X Royal Ravens player um, FA uh, to try and talk to him about his journey this year and where we might be seeing him go next uh, other than that guys again thank you so much for joining me course and one more thing how, how would you rate ant's performance today on the podcast what, out um, of 10? I, I, bro i'll give him a solid like eight you know he's pretty Ooh, good oh, yeah. that's yeah. good what that's yeah. improvement that's, that's improvement that's yeah, improvement bro, yeah yeah i mean you, in the love interview that was probably like a 2.2 2, i would yeah, say no, he didn't that, i mean he that didn't show yeah. he's come a long way he's come a long way i like that that was good he didn't shy away from any questions there's definitely personality so he's, he's doing well man he's good especially you know because he's still still so young so much to learn and so much to go through in terms of media and stuff so yeah yeah really good man i enjoyed that thanks guys all right. Well, thanks for having us, and uh, I'm sure we'll be back. Oh, definitely. Uh, and yes, well, one thing for next year: try and learn the veto process. Just, just. Me. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll teach you. Really I'll teach you. I didn't do. My, I didn't do my job properly, apparently. Yeah, I didn't want to be. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to be embarrassed. It was too <laughs> okay. late into the season to even ask. Well, you can be a little embarrassed now. You're good. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, he doesn't care now, you know, because I'm just yeah. messing. Once I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. The bank account is right. looking pretty healthy, right? Good night, right, guys. Thank you so much. Peace.